Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. This is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. You guys know what we do here for the last five years. We don't have to talk about it much. Just to remind you. However, that we're really trying to be good investors, not speculators. Mm. And that involves a few things we've been talking about for five years. One of them is patience to not take action until you know you're right. Like Davy Crockett when I was nine years old. That really stuck with me. Davy Crockett had a TV show that I think Disney put on. Fess Parker was Davy Crockett. And Fess would say, Fess Davy Parker Crockett. is the actor. Yeah. Playing and Davy, Davy Crockett. Crockett would, he would say, Well, first be sure you're right and then go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> was Davy Crockett an adult or a child? Oh, an adult. Oh, oh okay. yeah. He was, he was an adult. And, you know, I think the only thing I really remember about the whole series was he had some tin horn with him, some urban guy in a top hat like Abe Lincoln in a black coat. <laughs> and he looked really dumb because you only looked right if you were wearing a coonskin cap and a leather fringed jacket. That was proper attire. Correct. And this guy was clearly not wearing the proper attire. City slicker. And they were going out across the prairie. Davy was taking this guy somewhere. And he stopped to water his horses and they're in a pretty scummy looking watering hole. And this guy was like refusing to drink. And Davy is like, yeah, well, good luck then, because you're going to die of thirst. So the guy was reticent, and I remember him being reticent, and I was like, what a wimp, you know? I was nine years old. What a wimp. He wouldn't well, drink Well, that was clearly water. what you were supposed to be getting from the I know. show. Now I look back on it, and it's like, damn, the guy had a brain. Yeah. There's nothing like dysentery going across the desert on a horse. Just really fun. <laughs> Having dysentery. <laughs> it's a really good way to speed up dehydration. I'd be like, Davey, do you think maybe we could build a fire real quick? Like, you know, and <laughs> freaking boil this mud pond where, you know, bison have been drinking out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my next question is how did Davey know that he was right? I don't know how. He just knew he was right. He was Davey Crockett. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I had a lot of life lessons I had to unlearn from the Davy Crockett show. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I was wondering if the Davy Crockett show was responsible for me drinking crappy water on a mission that I was on once and I got dysentery so bad. Oh man. I was blown out of both ends and it was bad. And I was on such a small team. I, I still had to take my time awake, you know, and uh, being watchful. This was and, uh, back in the army, you mean? You mean. Yeah. yeah. And I just remember being so miserable. Oh, God. So miserable. Sitting up, you know, for my two-hour stint, being awake, looking at this 
freaking night just wouldn't end ever, you know? Yeah. Looking into the darkness. <laughs> There's nothing to see, just darkness. And my stomach and cramping. And it was like, oh, that was not fun. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to blame Davy Crockett for that right there. I'm saying if I hadn't watched that TV show, I probably wouldn't have drank that water without putting on a tablet. Which no kidding. Did. Were you the only one who drank that water? Yeah, I must have been. I was the only one that got sick. Oh, geez. Yeah, it was fine in a few days. <laughs> oh. Oh, Davy. All right. So, so that's a bit off the subject here, but, but the subject today is that pyramid <laughs> we were Well, the subject about. today is really like, how do you be sure that you're right? It's actually yeah. 100% on point. Oh, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Indeed. So you're right. This is how to be right. How do we how know to be to right? How to be right. So we've kind of worked our way down a pyramid, first with Munger's four things, which Indeed. a general outline. Indeed. First you understand and be sure it's got a big moat and right. If you're capable of understanding, obviously, obviously the key one there is you're capable of understanding. That's a judgment call and you can waste a lot of time on stuff. It's ne- By the way, there's never a waste of time. I, I misspoke. You'll spend a lot of time on things that you ultimately decide you're not smart enough or can go deep enough or experienced enough to own and then, and that's not time wasted because you learned a lot and that'll, that'll help the next one. So the first thing is capable of understanding and your judgment will get better on that as time goes along. And we talked about, because I'm asking all the questions about the logistics of how you go through this. So we talked about that you do this monger four things checklist, yeah. so to speak, all right, in your right head. Right now we're working, down the, we're working down the pyramid as we do all the time. We're working down the pyramid on one company in particular that I won't mention because if we like it, we want it to go down some more so we can buy it. So I'm not telling you guys because you might buy it first and make it go up. So that's the way it goes. By the way, anybody that's telling you what they own is either a massive diversification investor that doesn't really own much of anything in particular, but you know everything a little bit, and they don't really care what you buy. Um, or they want to sell it to you. This is the other reason to tell or, somebody on CNBC. Oh, well, yeah, those that's true. But I mean, the, or they own the company. They're happy at where they bought it. They're not looking for it to, they're looking for it to only go up. <laughs> and true. Would and be you, very can, happy you can be in that. that position. I mean, we, we sort of talk about being excited that the thing goes down so you can buy more at a cheap price. But if it's already at a cheap price and you already bought all that you want, yeah, up looks good to me. Yeah. So sure, you could talk it up in that case. That's that's right. That's a good point. So we but we do this all the time. We're working through one and you know, the first thing is, all right, am I capable of understanding this? And my analysts are very capable of understanding. <laughs> they may be a little better at this industry than I am. And so I have got a question, can I really understand this industry? That's the that's the first thing. And but is that a real question for you? Yeah, it's a real question. Like I've like got you don't know in. the answer to that question. I don't know the answer. Okay. So I'm at that point where I'm looking at it. I've invested in similar kinds of companies in, in the larger industry that this company fits in. I'm, I feel comfortable. So I, otherwise, I wouldn't be looking at it. But this is a a a a niche part of the of an industry, and one I haven't been in 
and one that I don't use and can't say I really understand it. So, um, but my analysts do use it, are in this industry, use the products all the time and really, really, really like them. So I have a very strong feeling this company has a moat, or, mm-hmm. right? So this is kind of, Charlie's stuff is kind of on the feeling level at, at this point, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, that's the sense I get because you said you go through it in your head, which yeah. very much is just a mental jogging. It's not really a um, rigorous intellectual exercise. It's much more of a like, all right, have I like missed anything? Like what, what you know, kind of a a framework to your thought process more than anything else. Yeah. And, I, and it's just really pretty quick. It's like, yeah, I've heard of these guys read the 10 K a little bit and just get a gut feel of, yeah, okay. Probably, probably have a pretty flipping gigantic moat here. Um, in fact, I know they've got a gigantic moat. The question is whether they'll keep it right against competition. So that'll be something I'll be looking into. And then I just like, okay, I'm probably capable of understanding this thing. So, all right, let's, let's go on. I have no idea about their, oh, I, the management actually is a, a part of the issue. And that's going to be a question. Oh, and the then, management's course, part of the event. Yeah. If there is an event. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's going to be interesting right there. And then also, what's this thing worth? And I, I want to get a idea of what it's worth so again it's just very rough the charlie stuff for me is just sketching Mm -hmm. if you will and and sketching out a potential valuation to just see right Mm -hmm. where am i am i near enough this thing to really be focusing on this right now or should i be looking at something else yeah totally totally because that's the key what you just said is the key we all have limited time yeah some people have more time than others but we all have limited time where do you put your focus during the time that you have? Yeah. Because there's... In a, in a world where you have lots of time, you could think, like sometimes we even teach it like this. It's just theoretically, you just build your best watch list, right? In fact, when we do our three-day class, we have students build together as a group. They'll build a watch list of companies that are... And that we even analyze with them and help them go through the process and hopefully come up with, you know, 10 companies that are pretty anti-fragile companies that look really good from all the perspectives. Mm-hmm. But we don't even think about whether these are on sale or not right now. I mean, it's just like this market is just ridiculous. So you end up with a list of companies that very theoretically you could buy someday, but very likely, unless there's a huge market crash, you won't buy any of them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a problem in, in practical in the practical world. And that requires a great deal of patience. And, you know, we we try to accelerate the process of having to not be patient forever or having to be patient forever by digging deeper and looking in the weeds, you know, and trying to find something that is on sale. So we do look and see, we got tons of companies over these years that we'd like to buy and none of them are on sale. Isn't that such a joy, though? Like I, <laughs> you're going to think I'm nuts saying that. I get so much joy from finding a great company that's doing well, that's too expensive for me to buy. That part's annoying. That part's not a joy. But at the same time, it's almost like it's okay. It'll come around at some point. And in the meantime, I get to be happy that this exists in the world. Yeah. 
It's like yeah, having I, a crush totally, on somebody and the, and the crush is like dating somebody else and you're like, it's all right. <laughs> They're amazing. They exist. <laughs> They'll discover me one day. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I think I'm going That's through funny. that right now. Yeah, See, yeah, that's a little crazy. We're being a little annoying on this podcast because we're not saying names, but I don't want to say the name of this company that I'm currently like obsessed with. And it is bringing me so much joy. And I'm just excited to like be with it for the rest of my life. Whether or not I own it anytime soon, I'm excited to be with it for the rest of my life, which I have so no funny. doubt I will be. How they can how they can pop out from absolutely nowhere. Um, again, I, I, I can't even give you details about this because I don't I don't want comp this is a relatively small company and really our audience could just chew it up and and take the price way away from where I want it to be. But just here in the house, you know, realizing, oh, we use this thing. And mm. it is so great. We don't even think about it, mm. right? Mm. And for some reason or another, I just thought, huh, I wonder if they're public. I don't even know why I thought that. It's mm -hmm. such a niche company, right? Look it up. They went public like nine months ago. So mm. it's like, oh, whoa, huh. Mm. And they're dominating this space. It's very niche, but they're dominated. And it'd be like, wow. So I checked out roughly, you know, doing a 10 cap on it and roughly see roughly where they are. And, you know, they're fully retail priced. <laughs> it's like, okay. I guess we're not the first ones but to who discover cares? these guys. Like, who cares? But you're right. It's like, yes. Yeah. These guys someday are going on sale and then it'll be a great chance to buy them. And then you'll be poised and not have that moment that I've had, which is horrible, of like, oh, man. I found that company five years ago and I never finished the research on it. And now like, they might be on sale. And now uh, it, I feel like they are, but I don't really know because really know. I'm not. Yeah, that's, um, that's a horrible On top feeling. of it. Yeah. That comes from procrastination, laziness. Or just, just like I said, we all have limited time. Limited and time. often what we choose to do is move on to the stuff that's closer to what seems reasonably priced right now and leave behind the stuff that may pop up one day, but may actually be a better long-term investment. Well, there's, that's all true, but there's also, I think a lack of organization and discipline that kind of goes with this. It certainly has been the case in our, in our company where we've gotten our act together over the years and have a system now of reviewing companies we've done work on, um, I mean, after years, you can stack up a pretty good pile of companies you'd like to own. And you have to kind of keep up on that and make sure that none of them are going on sale behind your back. Right. Oh, yeah. So that's you can true. Set yeah, a, yeah. You can, we can set alerts at price points and do things like that. That, And then we just check, you know, we do portfolio review. And, you know, but there's did you a do that stuff when you were on your own? Oh, no. I was much more. I don't more, remember you ever doing those things. No, I never did any of that. I just okay. wandered around. But, you know, it worked. That works too. It's just it's not as disciplined and not as focused. And yeah, you know, you're not doing it eight hours a day either, right? You just right. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So um, coming back to the checklist. Okay, coming back to the checklist. We moved to Ackman on this on this uh, company and went through the Ackman 8. And now that starts to get much more specific. Hmm. Now at this point, just in the way we work, at, at this point, I haven't done a lot of work on this company yet. I'm green lighting my guys to go deeper based on gut, gut feel and some experience. Mm-hmm. that, yes, yeah, this could be really good. And I, I know you guys know this thing, so let's go deeper. So going deeper means they go and crank out this Ackman 8 over a period of about a week. So this is two guys, two or three, depending on how many are working on it, that are digging deeper to really, really nail down a couple of important things. Number one is that first thing. Is this really a simple company? Is it simple and predictable? Does this really fall into our circle of competence of simplicity and predictability? Mm. Or are we about to embark on a, you know, a digging process that's not going to be rewarded? Because at the end of the day, if we don't really have a company that we feel is simple, we're not going to make us, we can't make a good decision. We can't, it's too hard to really commit real money that you can't afford to lose when you aren't certain and you're not certain because it's kind of a complicated company. There's mm. a lot of moving parts, mm. right? Or it's a very comp or maybe it's a complicated industry and there's, you don't know how these guys will fit into it in five years. So mm. there's just <clears throat> that uncertainty comes from a lack of simplicity and the biggest mistake that we make over time, and I, and I can say this with a lot of confidence, this is a common mistake among people who do what I do, who are professionals. Bill Ackman was lamenting this error very publicly a year ago of just not sticking to simplicity, getting clever, getting complicated. And that kind of comes from getting frustrated and impatient. You start to feel yeah. like you got to do something. I got to do something. It's been weeks and then it's been months and I haven't found anything. And it's just like, oh, this one's looks, this one's on sale. It looks good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you yeah. have that? You go through that? Um, I have not, I have to say, I haven't gotten into anything that felt too complicated to me. For me, that very quickly goes into my, mental too hard file yeah. and and there's so many companies out there that it's i just discard it quite quickly usually so i i i don't know like yeah. i get i get that feeling I, I can understand the feeling of reaching a little bit of like this mostly makes sense it's probably fine it seems like i've got most of it that that feeling i know but I, I think don't... I think when I'm managing just my money, right, then it's I feel 
I don't. I didn't run into that problem. Oh, like that's very interesting. Oh, it's, tell me it's more because, about that. Well, it's because I've got, I've got real smart people working with me as part of my team now, who are finding things that they think are simple. Oh, and yeah. That presents a challenge for me. So this is an example we're using here of this company. They think it's simple, no brainer, simple. And I'm not there yet because I don't know it well enough. But I, it's likely I'll get there. So that's a question of whether you. I mean, it's your name on the door, so yeah, whether or I not to, you... I have to be there. Yeah, you have to be there. Right on. And, are, a, and is it a reach if somebody's saying to you like, oh, no, this makes sense to me, and you have to go learn a million yeah, it's, things? It's one of, one of my great places where I screw up regularly is I'll pass on something after... Really, these guys maybe have done a tremendous amount of work, and I've been okay with the, the uh, Munger 4, and I've been okay with the Ackman 8 with reservations, and then we get into the pier- the bottom of the pyramid, which mm-hmm. is the full-blown rule one story. Mm-hmm. And these guys will, because I've greenlit this thing to that point, they'll really work up the story. And then I'm I'm sitting there with a dozen books to read, right? Because I got to uh, catch up with the well, story. Well, and then they have got full confirmation bias at that point because they're excited about it. They that's, understand it. That's right. If it were their money, they'd in. be buying it. Uh-huh. hundred yeah. percent right. And um, I, in one particular case, I very notably said no. I just couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a problem with China that I couldn't resolve, and I thought the Chinese might really change that industry. And I just said no. And that company doubled twice mm-hmm. since these guys, since my guys wanted me to, to get into it. And it's those are hard mistakes to to be okay with, right? It's like it but, was right there but, in front of you. Here's a fat pitch. Is but that it wasn't a, mistake. a fat pitch to me? Is that a mistake? Just because but something no. goes up doesn't mean it was a mistake to not buy it. And right. I think that that's like insanely important. And just because yeah. something goes down doesn't mean that you did the right thing in not buying it either. Right. It's just price. It's just price. It's just the market. I mean, this is what you taught me like day one. Yep. Very, very important insight. Just because the market thinks that whatever that company is did, you know, should be going up is buying it like crazy. Doesn't mean that your initial, not initial, doesn't mean that your conclusion after a lot of analysis was incorrect. So this, but maybe it was. So that's my question to you. Like, was it a mistake? It's it's a complex company, I think. Hmm. I still think that. It's just over my head. And so I didn't do it. It's a technology company. And it's just, by definition, more complicated. And um, I read several of the books before I started realizing, nah, this is just way out of my comfort Hmm. zone. Hmm. You know, I'm having to get up to speed on an entire industry. I don't know anything about it all. It's technological. It's like, I don't know where it's going. I don't know how big it's going to, I don't know. It it was just too hard for me. And you know, one of my guys had worked in the industry and is very, very comfortable with it. So Mm -hmm. it's like, that's frustrating for them. I know. Um, but when they're running their own fund someday, they'll know, (laughs) they'll know what it's like. It's like, yeah, you can't pull the trigger on somebody else's idea. No. Well, and I've had that experience not with people, not with people who work for me because I'm not doing this as a business, but with friends. I've had a friend who um should I say the industry? 
works in a certain industry and um and it was the uh i'll just i I won't identify him so he works in the cloud storage industry and at some point said to me after he had made the decision to buy a certain company um or a couple companies i think in that industry said we were talking about it finally and and he said like oh yeah i bought that you know two years ago when it was clear to me because of my knowledge about this Mm -hmm. um not any insider and he doesn't work at that company not any insider information but just being around i knew that where they were going was going to be really cool and Mm -hmm. i knew that they were going to like come out with some cool stuff and i had no clue because i'm not in the industry you know (laughs) so i was seeing it after the fact and um and it was the same kind of like thought process for me of, yeah, I get why he was able to see it. But even if I had been looking at cloud at that time, I wouldn't have seen it. I wouldn't have even known. Right. Yeah. There's so it's so just much a different of, so level much of, of knowledge. What makes a thing simple, honestly, is using is using the product. And yeah, that's it, true. Yeah. I, that's I really true. think if if I'm using the product, I have so <laughs> much better sense of it. I have a sense of why people liked Harley Davidson motorcycles so much all through the seventies and the eighties and right into the nineties. Um, cause it was something I was doing a lot of as well. And, and I really could get it. I, I, you know, there's a word that grok, you ever use that word? Well, only you, you, I only heard hear it when you say it and you've said it like I gotta seven credit, times. I got to credit the author for that. You, you know, like wrote ice nine and all that slaughterhouse five and all that. What is that guy's name? Kurt it's Vonnegut. Right. Von- yeah, Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut. Vonnegut. He came up with that idea of grokking something. It's sort of it's sort of that gut feeling, like you really you really own this thing, and um, it's a great word, grokking, <laughs> grok it. So um, I just remember there have been companies where I just got it, and I and I got it once I started using it. Um, it, it just made so much more sense. I Google jumps into my head for a company like that where I started mm-hmm. using it. Apple, of course. Mm-hmm. Right. I started, I, I bought one of the first Apple leases, uh, for a company that I was funding back in the eighties, a Lisa. Wow. I mean, if I still had that, it'd be an, a museum piece. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, just knowing why people are doing something. I bought, I bought 60 next computers for a software company that was growing and I wanted a piece of it and I got them 60 next computers and they had offices in Fairfield and in up in Michigan or Minnesota rather and in California. And I really understood why. I mean, I, I definitely did. And, and I went to the extent of actually learning a little bit about C programming and object oriented programming, which was something this machine was taking to the next level. And it led me into that industry. Right. So hmm. when you're using it and you, you really are in there, really complicated things can start to become relatively simple. And it's, it's so fascinating. It's you know, so true. It happens. And it so. really, I think shows how important it is. The person who's, if you're doing long-term investing with a small portfolio, it shows how important the person making those decisions is. They are oh. everything. Yeah. Uh, their interests their expertise. Yeah. It's everything. Um, it's going to determine why your choices may be different than my choices, may yep. be different than somebody else's choices. Um, yeah, so you guys often make- in ways we don't even think about or know. It's, um, 
I was watching I think, this. I think part of this is it just trusting yourself that there are things you know. I mean, honestly, there really are things you know, and it might just be boats because you're a bass fisherman. It might be fly rods because you like to fish, fly fish on Rocky Mountain streams, right? I mean, it, it just, you're, you're out there actively doing something. You're picking a car. You're picking a, uh, I mean, you're picking out soap. You, you guys, you've, you, there's so many different things that you actually are making financial decisions on all the time. And when you start to break those down into, like kind of like you did, Danielle, when you first got really rolling on this, is starting to realize that there's a company behind all that stuff on the shelf. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And some of those companies are really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's stuff you don't even quite like realize you know a lot about and are just is so obvious that this is what's happened to me lately is like this company I'm obsessed with is like something I did not even realize I knew a lot about, but I actually am like <laughs> a psychotic expert in this subject. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm really curious about what <laughs> I'll this tell is. you offline what it is, but okay, I don't want to say what it is publicly because um because I can't buy it yet. So hopefully yeah, at some good. point I will be able to talk publicly about hopefully it. Hopefully you guys are okay with us being um circumspect about what we tell you. Um for a couple of reasons. First off, me telling you guys what I'm doing shouldn't help you any more than just as a as a tip to look at something. In other words, you shouldn't go running out there and buy it. That would be ridiculous. Um, but if you do your work and I told you something and you do your work and you find out, Oh yeah, this thing really is good. I totally understand it. It's got a big moat. That's great. Um, it's on sale. And you start buying that thing up. That's counterproductive to me and my job. You guys yeah. understand that? A good thing to know on what you're saying that I think a lot of people don't realize is that the investors who are saying what they own already own it and are very happy for it to go up. Right. And to be aware of that interest level, of that incentive in what they're saying. Um, right. Uh, I've discovered that a lot of people are not aware of that. They think that, <laughs> that investors are just saying it to be nice. Right. <laughs> or to be I mean, interesting on a talk show. And that's not what they're doing. But let, they're saying it for a purpose. For a, let's think about that for a second. Because when you when you start buying a company, you don't have a crystal ball. I mean, for those of you who have never done this, you'll realize it when you start doing it that, oh, it, it's in what I think is the margin of safety. And I feel very comfortable about owning this company. And you begin to buy it. But think about this for a second. It had to go down to get there. It had to go down. Mm -hmm. And very likely it, you don't have a crystal ball that says it's not going to go down more. Whatever the event is that's creating the fear around this company may still be active and very likely is, almost certainly is continuing on. And so your crystal ball is completely opaque. You can't see where the, the stock price is going. So if you were to just buy it all that you wanted right here at this margin of safety price, what you might discover is that the stock price continues to go down and you've, you've used up all your ammo. You can't buy more. And the result of that can be kind of emotional and frustrating, especially when you're really just getting going That's and you want to have winners, right? You want to feel good about each, each company that you buy. And this thing that you bought at 50 is now at 40 you think it's worth 100, it's now at 40, and there you are again. You don't know if it's going to go to 30 or mm -hmm. 20, mm -hmm. right? Mm 
Mm-hmm. So what we try to do is tranche into these things by buying one quarter of your position as soon as it gets to the margin of safety. And then we do some options trading to start reducing our basis and, and making money and cash flow immediately on this position that I'm not going to get into right now, but it's, it, it is not hard to do. It's just a, it's a strategy. The key thing is it sets you up to get more of it cheaper. And so you want to kind of wait. And if the stock starts to turn around and run up, again, you're going to have to jump in there and buy the rest of it. But if it continues to go down, you're going to find yourself really happy that you have ammo to buy more with. So it goes down 20%, you buy another tranche. If it goes down another 20%, buy another tranche. And I've done this enough times to where I would rather have the experience of having to jump in there as the stock price starts to move up and move out and buy it at a higher price and kind of, ah, crap, I should have bought more when it was, you know, at 50. I should have bought more. Now it's at 60 and I'm buying the rest of what I need. And I, I don't have as good a basis as I would have had. It would have, could have, should have, if I just bought more at 50. But dang it, I've had the experience of that stock going from 50 to 40 to 30 and loading up tranches of it as it's gone down and have a new basis at 40 instead of at 60, right? Instead of at 40 and being happy that the thing's going down. Mm-hmm. That's the key thing, I guess, is psychologically, I'm just happy it's going down because I have an opportunity to buy more at a better price. So it's a bit like buying $10 bills and the, the $10 bill is being offered at five. Well, reasonably speaking, you should snap it all up, right? It's a super deal. But emotionally, it's nice to know that a lot of times that's going to four and then the three. Hmm. So you buy five, four, three, and you're automatically in a much more powerful basis than you were before. And you've managed to keep your psychology good all the way through that process. Hmm. Anyway, there's no, there's no perfect strategy for buying. The, 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 the main thing I would add to this is just be sure you load up before it gets out of the margin of safety. Be sure you've bought everything you want to buy. That's the trick. That's the one real rule. <laughs> Even if you do it all the first shot and it goes down, that's fine. You, well, so next it. time let's talk about, uh, we'll get back to the checklist a little bit and talk about what happens through the During Ackman. the process of the check, the real rule one story checklist. Yeah. So we've exactly. already said that the four with Munger is sort of fairly quick and rather subjective, or completely subjective and a feeling. Then the eight might take a few days to flesh out. That's the Ackman Well, eight. a few days of like full-time work for several people is what you actually said. Well, so. it could be that. Sometimes it's quicker, sometimes it's slower. But okay. you're, you're right. You should be able to wrap that up in a few days, even if it's just one person. And then, then you're on to the next level, which is the full-blown rule one story. And that is a, I must be a 90-point checklist, roughly. And very detailed. And the whole purpose of that is to really feel confident that you have looked under every rock and you really do understand this company. You understand its weaknesses. You understand its strengths. You understand its competition. That checklist is designed to help me do that so that I'm confident. And that is okay, a good. time-consuming process. We're going to talk about the logistics, logistics of that. Logistics of that are coming. Logistics of that. Next time. Next time. All right, you guys, until then, time to go play. Thanks, everybody. See ya. 
Hi guys, thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding, they really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And I'm really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.